You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. It's 2024, so this is our first official episode we're recording in the new year, Evan. Uh, this is a Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, joined always by our pal, Evan Lang. Hello. And we're joined by special guest, friend of the show, Rockies trivia extraordinaire, Rockies beat reporter, uh, Johan Flande's biggest fan, wrestling fanatic all kinds of things he's a man of many titles it's patrick lyons happy new year gentlemen hope y'all doing doing all right so far today so far so good i'm glad to have 2023 kicking and screaming in the past Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it (laughs) (laughs) but we're moving into this new year and no wouldn't you know it uh, patrick there's always a running gag on this show that the rockies do things after we record an episode this is one of those occasions where they actually did some stuff before we recorded which is always nice as uh well there's a lot of things one the biggest news billy joel is coming to coors field in 2024 the piano man so uh <laughs> we've won the division sing us a song you are the rockies man as renee uh deckert did mention that uh the rockies already have a piano man his name is jake bird so I think that's fitting. And it's also what the date is, I think, July 12th. And it's kind of coincidental, obviously coincidental. But it's interesting that the Rockies will be at City Field to play the Mets while they will have imported a New York musician in Billy Joel to come to Colorado on that same night to play at Coors Field. So you can't write this stuff up, folks. There Seems unfair to the Mets, honestly. <laughs> worst trade in history uh i always think with billy joel i post this on x formerly known as twitter of an old conan o'brien sketch where he's going over movie movies and he has a spider-man 2 he's like no oh, i was watching this movie but there's something that they inserted peter parker and mary jane are having a, a intimate moment in a cafe but then there, there's just a scene that just really takes you out of the moment and it cuts to in the diner scene where she's like oh kiss me peter and the car comes through the window. <laughs> they insert one of the one of the they insert one of the uh, interns. He's like dressed in a chef's outfit, and he's like, "Look out! Here comes Billy Joel!" And then the car comes through the window. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing, but I think about that all the time. Who would you? So of the of the three East Coast notable musicians, who would you rather most see? And and yes, we will be talking actual Rockies news today, but we're gonna kind of get off on the rail first, and then bring it back on. Who would you rather see most, or, or rank these these artists to see at Coors Field? Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, or Bon Jovi? Bon Jovi. Really? See, I I figured he'd be third on everyone's death chart. Okay. No, I'm a, I'm a big one. Bon Jovi fan. Okay. I'll probably just go. Pe- I'll go with Billy Joel first, and and I actually would like to see Bruce Springsteen. I think I think he's 
a little bit he's got more of an edge i think on on billy joe but those two guys are like 1a 1b but but bruce actually goes out and he plays a long time he's not sitting at a piano chair he's running around for three <laughs> hours man the dude's dude's an animal <laughs> yeah but hey we're, we're people people we've, we've got it we covered all our bases here so that's good but uh enough about concerts even though the rockies have announced a lot of concerts for the 2024 season they're catching up in the free agent department where uh, there are a couple of moves and a couple of no- more notable ones, and they dropped them all at once, Netflix style, so we could binge them. It was uh, they've signed right-handed pitcher Dan- Dakota Hudson. I put Daniel Hudson in my notes. That's the wrong Hudson. Dakota Hudson and catcher Jacob Stallings. So we've added another pitcher and another backup catcher, where both deals are about for about a 1.5 million. Uh, Hudson has 1.5 million in bonuses. Or performance bonuses based on innings pitched, and then Stallings has a mutual option for next year or a 500 buyout that can escalate to a million dollars. So, two big moves here, two more notable ones. And okay, your take here first, Patrick. What, what were your reactions to seeing this news and, and hearing the signings? Uh, the my reaction was simply, okay, the Rockies did a thing. Uh, they, did, <laughs> they did two things in, in, in one day. Uh, yeah. Maybe it would be nice to, to split them up to allow you to, to talk about them a little bit longer. But uh, I, like, I like the Stallings pickup, I think, a little bit better than Diaz. I know there's a mutual option uh, potentially for 2025, which you know I, I think could possibly. But because it's mutual, it's not ironclad. But uh, it, it did make me think that going into this signing or, or, or into Friday that they would possibly try to lock up kind of a backup catcher for two years, allowing mm. them to, to trade Elias Diaz at the deadline. And you'd still then kind of have a, a starter for 2025. That still might be the case here uh, with the stalling signings, a guy who, you know, just won the gold glove in, in 2021 uh, Dakota Hudson, you know, it does increase your depth, but, it doesn't necessarily increase your the quality of the starting five. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're going to add a starting pitcher that has a, a good amount of experience, that's great. But you know Hudson didn't didn't been pitch very much last year, right? Um, you know was was banged up, and so you're you're not adding a, a guy like if you were to say acquire Chris Sale on the trade to use something maybe on the more extreme side or sign Blake Snell. You're signing a guy that's going to be at the front of your rotation that's going to not only eat up innings, but it's going to push everybody back in the rotation. And, okay, Freeland's now your two. Three, four is Quantrill Gomber. And then you've got guys battling out for number five, which is what you want. But I don't necessarily see any kind of shift like that with Dakota Hudson. So Freeland's still now going to be your one. Two, three is Quantrill Gomber. And now Hudson's in the mix there, but is he, you know, head and shoulders better than Feltner or Peter Lambert or even maybe maybe the guy going into the uh, this year as the number six guy in, in Noah Davis? He does have the big league experience, so you would give him the edge over Noah Davis, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, improve the quality of your rotation. It does improve the the quality of your quantity, right? It gives them some depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think after a year where the Rockies used 17 individual starters, um, the big thing for Hudson is that they just want a guy who can make a bunch of starts. I joked about this before, but the best ability sometimes is availability. And that is Dakota Hudson. He wasn't even like he wasn't great last year and the year before, but he's not that bad. He's he's very similar in the mold of Cal Quantrill 
where you have two pitchers that their first two, three seasons in the league, they were really good. And then they both sort of started to fall off or dealt with injuries. And now they're more sort of reclamation projects um, where the Rockies are banking on trying to see if they can get them a little bit more back to form like they were before. And right now, Dakota Hudson is like the quintessential Rockies pitcher. We joke all the time that the Rockies are always trying to shove their guys into this mold of being this one specific kind of pitcher. And Dakota Hudson is that one specific kind of pitcher. He is a low velocity sinker baller that gets a lot of ground ball contact and doesn't strike out a lot of guys. And then he has a, an arsenal of a few breaking pitches, including a pretty decent slider. Mm-hmm. Like that is the Rockies mold to a T and, and that's Dakota Hudson. And I don't, I don't mind it. I honestly think it has potential to be a pretty solid pickup, but it also is just, we need a guy who is going to be able to pitch. Um, Patrick, you and you and I and Skyler were talking about how last year was the first year since 1993. So basically the team's entire history where the Rockies didn't have a starting pitcher, uh, didn't have more than two starting pitchers make 18 plus starts. And you only had two guys who made the 20 plus starts and not a single pitcher who made every available start. Every single pitcher on the Rockies was hurt, at least at some point last year. And, you know, Kyle Freeland topped out at 29 starts. Gomber made 27. So at this point, it really is just, you know, having having that depth is so important. And it's been such a such a crux of the uh, of the Rockies the last couple of years where they haven't had this starting pitching depth and it's something they've desperately needed to address and if Hudson is a Hudson and you know and Cal are able to you know bounce back a little bit to their previous forms great and if not and they're just okay but they can eat a bunch of innings fine I'll, I'll take that right now with where the Rockies are at mm-hmm. yeah it's that's what we need is at this point warm bodies, and that's the thing to it. I always joke about their Rockies are in the continual quest to find Aaron Cook because Aaron Cook had success, sinker baller, and everything pounded the zone, and they kind of fit everybody into that mold. It seems they'll they'll say otherwise that they don't pursue a certain type of pitcher, but they kind of do. But uh, the, there's hope if Daniel if I keep on calling Daniel Hudson different pitcher if Hudson can. No, no, reclaim some of that and fit into that Rockies mold of pounding the zone because he's has struggled with walks too in the past, which unfortunately is a Rockies trend. But if he can really utilize that no ground ball tendencies he has, it's like fifty five percent for his career, somewhere around there, like a lot of ground balls. With this defense, balls in play, those types of pitchers can be successful for the Rockies. It's just if he can be effective, find the zone. And, you know, from Thomas Harding's article about these signings, assistant general manager Zach Rosenthal said he's a young starting pitcher who has had success at this level, young meaning 29 years old, who can get outs in a way that can be productive at our place. It's no secret that toughness is really important here. And also he is a guy who wanted to come here, wanted to pitch for us, wanted to pitch in this ballpark. He's heard good things about this organization, that's always helpful to people coming in here, a positive mindset. And with the injuries that we suffered last year in the starting rotation, you're adding to the depth here. 
basically hits the three major Rockies tenants of <laughs> the mold that they try and get their pitchers in the he wants to be here clause. And then the third one um, is that the Rockies were high on him at some point in the past where mm-hmm. we know that general manager Bill Schmidt has been high on him and was alleged that the Rockies were originally pursuing Dakota Hudson as part of the return for the Nolan Arenado trade. So just checking all those boxes, check, checking all the boxes on there. The, the reason why for me, the signing Hudson, you know, isn't uh, as exciting as, as maybe it, it, it should be to, to some, I, I, to be honest, I don't think a lot of people are terribly excited, yeah. in general. but you go, you, you did increase your starting pitching depth. That's great. You know, dude had 229 and, and two thirds innings pitched over the last three years. That's that's not a lot. He only made eight starts mm-hmm. during the, the pandemic year, too. So, again, if you were getting someone like a Cal Quantrill, like like you said, Evan, hey, the start of, of, of Quantrill's career and Hudson's career were very similar. And that's that's promising. And I think you can look back and say, hey, that's in there for those guys. Quantra at least gives you that reliability to go out there every five days and take the ball, whereas you don't have that guaranteed in in Hudson. And I think some of the questions that you might have for Dakota Hudson are probably the same ones you have for Peter Lambert and Ryan Feltner. So again, yeah. this isn't a, a huge upgrade. The the thing that uh, made me think, okay, well maybe maybe this is some sign of of things to come. Like why would you just add a a guy that would probably just be battling for your fifth spot in the rotation and that might be because you are going to add a much more notable starting pitcher Mm. gomber ended last year on the il with that lower back issue that uh ended his season early in in 2021 you know uh we 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 know marquez and senzatelli can pretty much count those guys out you know marquez will be back after the all-star break which heads up guys we could be talking six, seven man rotation by that point for the Rockies. That'll Ooh, be fun. Yeah. definitely six, seven. I mean, if we're really lucky, but let's get a 10 man rotation going. <laughs> Why not? Why not? But I, I think if you're saying, well, wait a minute, uh, Hudson, this isn't necessarily battling for a fifth spot. It's really the fourth and fifth spot in the rotation. Two of those three guys are going to be in the mix between Feltner, Lambert, Davis and Hudson. And Gomber's not going to be back, which, again, we don't know that to be true. But that's where I feel like this signing would make more sense, where they do go out and add, you know, somebody of, of a little bit more note to to eat up innings to plug in as a number two, number three starter. But again, that mm-hmm. only this only makes more sense if Gomber is out, you know, for a much longer period of time than we expect him to be. Yeah, yeah. it's tricky because, you know, not just Gomber, but both. Uh, Peter Lambert and Ryan Feltner both ended their seasons on the injured list as well, where uh, Feltner had that dreaded elbow inflammation that um, was bugging a lot of Rockies pitchers last year, Noah Davis included, and um, Lambert had, I think, bicep tendonitis. And that's another thing is you add that in of you have three of your five potential starters for 2024 all ended the year on the injured list. And, you know, Dakota Hudson has a history of Tommy John. He had his Tommy John surgery, I think, between 2020 and 2021. Uh, Lambert has the the major injury history now. It's it's a lot. I definitely hope they add more starting pitching, but I don't know what, uh, what kind of moves they're going to make. This isn't a team that's going to, you know, go out there and sign Blake Snell or anybody like that. 
Yeah, yeah that, we'll, that's a good that's a good point you bring up, Evan. That it could be more that there could be an, an issue with uh, Feltner and Lambert being ready for opening day. So now, hey man, this this guy's available. The the price is right. He's he's still relatively young. We kind of see some some upside there. You know, we might as well just just strike while the iron is the temperature that the iron currently is right now for the yeah. <laughs> whatever temperature it is. Number five yeah. starter, tie block. Pretty much. Yeah. Tie block enters that mix too on the minor league deal. There'll probably be more minor league contract deals for starters. You know, the big thing maybe you know, and Patrick, you can probably test this from winter meetings of you know, adding guys that are trying to kick the tires on adding guys via trade. And so still plenty of time before spring training, about a month. But uh We'll see what happens. But real quick, before we take break, I want to touch on Stallings here. Give him his quick due. Backup catcher, around 34 years old. And not really known for his offensive capabilities, but it's you know, his leadership behind the plate. Uh, I think he adds a little more offense than uh, Austin Wins did. But Jacob Stallings, and this is something that they also mentioned in that Harding Art, Thomas Harding article, uh, Jacob and Elias were the catching tandem in Pittsburgh, and current Rockies special front office advisor Clint Hurdle was their manager. So there's that influence there of this signing. And the relationship between the two catchers was important to us. Those guys know each other, get along, and have played together. Clint raved about Jacob's professionalism, game calling, and defense, but also his bat. He had his best season with the Pirates, a 704 OPS, during his gold glove season of 2021. He's a good fit for us. So I know, I think. They'd initially you know, wanted to look for a backup catcher who could provide a little bit more offense. Not going to find much of that. And I think you know, Stallings, I think, fits a mold that they're looking for. Like you said earlier, Patrick, locking in a backup catcher potentially for two years. Give a mentor for whenever Drew Romo perhaps is ready. Give him some security should they trade Elias Diaz at the deadline this summer. If he's having a good season and all that good stuff. So I, I like Stallings just as this... Kind of just this nice little security. These are the type of like backup catcher signings that you like to see with with Stallings and dude's got a good glove behind the plate. Yeah, I, I like Jacob Stallings, but at the same time, much like Dakota Hudson, he very much fits the Rockies mold for that position where he is a glove first defensive and mentor style backup catcher like many backup catchers on the Rockies before him. Mm-hmm. And, go ahead, Patrick. Oh no! Uh, some some interesting again angles and and talking points for Jacob Stallings. Uh, I I spoke with him in 2022 when he was with the Marlins because you know he obviously had the connection with with Chad Cool. They uh, been together mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh and so talked with him and I can remember. Oh yeah, he's really tall. He's six five. That's oh, yeah. kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, you know, real real big catcher. Uh, he is from Kansas, so. Uh, local boy, uh, as we know, the Rocky Mountain <laughs> region stretches all the way to Las Vegas. Uh, so you know he, he's he's local in that way. And you know I, I think the the one of the other kind of auxiliary reasons you could point to as to why this is a good signing and and, and doing it now early rather than trying to pick up a backup catcher off the scrap heap, yeah. which you know a lot of teams do, and that's fine. You you saw it last year, the fact that the the lack of depth and and the Rockies pitchers being so banged up. If you've got a veteran catcher, I think it, it allows you to maybe manage that situation a little bit better. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's saying, hey, let's let's ease off this guy. 
because I, I am noticing he's trying to, you know, push through some some pain or, or just different management things. So I think that's that's, that's actually probably a, a key piece as to what they were looking to do in 2024 um, is, is get a veteran guy like that versus saying, Hey, let's, let's turn it over uh, to Brian Servin or Willie McIver, uh, a guy like that, or, or again, just trying to pick up somebody in the middle of spring training that gets cut, that has one of those minor league deals that allows them to opt out. Uh, I think this kind of shores up that, that spot a little bit um, that that's really going to benefit the, I think their rotation and the bullpen, um, especially through those dog days of summer. Yeah. And I've seen it again, we love Thomas Harding. Thank goodness for his articles because <laughs> the offseason gets rough. But mentioning that the Rockies you know, maybe want to limit the workload on Elias Diaz more this year because he played a lot last year. Was a franchise record for most games by a catcher. So wanted to relieve that load maybe a little bit, keep him a little fresher, help him out. Jacob Stallings can plug in. You can be confident in him plugging in a couple days during the week, and he could throw out a home run or two. Maybe he finds his swing a little bit better with Hensley Mullins. But uh, overall, a, a decent signing. Not much to complain about with Jacob Stallings. We'll see. And maybe he connects with one of these young pitchers, one of the starters, and they become a really good tandem You know, when he gets his starts. So we'll see. But hey, they did something. May not be exactly what we want or useful. But they did something, which is more than you can say about the Chicago Cubs. Um, our little jab at the Cubs. <laughs> we'll go ahead and take a quick break here. When we come back, uh, we'll finish out the last bit of the repercussions of this signing of and what the Rockies need to do next before spring training and going into the year. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be uh, right back. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. We're talking about the Rockies' recent moves, and they signed Jacob uh, Jacob Stallings and Dakota Hudson. And we're here with Patrick Lyons, along with Evan Lang. Skylar Timmons still here with you. And uh, one of the repercussions of this move was, you got to make room on the 40-man roster, and that results in Brian Servin, who was put on waivers, ultimately claimed by the Chicago Cubs. So, hey, they did something. I take back my jab. And uh, they had to outright Alan Trejo down to AAA Albuquerque. Still with the team, just off the 40-man roster. Team still has a 40, full 40-man roster. But this begs to question now, and this was some questions Evan had, of what do the Rockies do now with you know, a backup infielder? What what do they what, what happens now, Evan? I'm, I'm going to say I, I understand that they needed to clear space on the 40-man roster to facilitate these moves. Uh, Brian Servan, I think the Rockies had made it pretty clear la last year that they didn't really see him a part of the, the team in the future. He was on the 40-man roster pretty much the entire season. But after, what, some point in June, we just never really saw him again. And he he kind of struggled somewhat in AAA Albuquerque. So, you know, hoping that a change of scenery does him good, wishing the best. But for Trejo, it's really interesting because I said it in our Ranking the Rockies series. Alan Trejo, when Brendan Rodgers went down, probably should have been the starting second baseman at that point and given like a real shake at being an everyday starter. And he didn't really get that. Though we definitely played more games last year but now with him being outrighted off of the 40-man roster to triple a 
the Rockies do not have any experienced middle infielders to back up Ezekiel Tovar and Brendan Rogers. The three infielders that they have on the 40 right now are Adele Amador, Julio Carreras, and uh, Warming Bernabel. Bernabel's basically a third baseman at this point, and I would argue that none of those three guys are, are even remotely ready for big league action at this time. Now, there's still definitely a chance that Trejo returns to the uh, 40-man roster later in the spring. So when we hit spring training and they can finally put guys like Ermana and Senzi on the 60-day, on the you know, they can put Alan Trejo back on the 40-man roster and use him as that sort of backup utility man and middle infielder. But it's just a strange move right now, especially when, you know, the Rockies have, have already said, you know, both Bill Schmidt and Bud Black, that they want to add more guys to the bench and more veteran backups and things like that. But I don't really know who they would pursue right now. And if they pursued anyone right now, you would again have to make another move where somebody's going to need to be removed from the 40 man roster. It makes me wonder if the Rockies have more, have any, you know, trades or anything like that in the books right now. There were rumors last year that the Rockies were looking to uh, deal Brendan Rogers potentially to the Miami Marlins for starting pitching. You know, it's entirely possible that they're looking into something like that again this year. But it's very, it's very strange to me. And I, I guess I don't know who else you would have uh, outrighted or waived on the roster in order to facilitate these signings. So I don't know. It's tough. Um, I would much rather have Trejo as the utility man right now than a lot of the veterans that we could potentially bring in. So it's going to be interesting. Now, if they really want to drive me crazy, they'll sign Harold Castro to a minor league deal again, and I will just rip all of my hair out of my head. <laughs> uh, but until then, we're playing a lot of wait and see. And and like Patrick stated before, it's entirely possible the Rockies are looking still to make more splashes in pitching and other signings this offseason. This this first bit with um, with Stallings and with Hudson is really the first sort of real movement the Rockies have had all offseason so far. Uh, they were one of the last teams to sign anyone to a big league deal with any sort of guaranteed money. I think the, the remaining Final Four was what? The Rockies, the Cubs, the Yankees, and the Marlins. Uh, so you can you can scratch the Rockies off that list now and leave the other three. But I just really don't. There's a, There are definitely other things this team needs to address. Skyler, you and I have talked about this before, that right field still really isn't set in stone right now. Um, and then now we need a backup infielder. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, Patrick? Yeah, Trejo is, is definitely the, the, the bummer, but he stays in the organization. So yeah. that's uh, no harm, no foul there. Uh, as you said, Evan, just, just a lot of promise out of, out of Trejo. And yeah, maybe you give him that second base job, especially coming off of how well he played for Team Mexico in the WBC. Mm -hmm. You might even say that, you know, his, his trade value had, had never been higher. And, you know, I, I, I understand there's a sentiment of, you know, you look at what the Tampa Bay Rays do and they, they will trade everybody away at a, at a moment's notice. So it's it's hard to make a connection. But you got to do that at, at some point in a year in which you know it's going to be a down year. So if you can get something of value, you got to strike while the iron is hot. So it does make you think, you know, could the Rockies have done something last March and say, well, we're not going to turn the keys to second base over to Trejo. So we know we might as well, you know, make a deal. That being said, you know, he could play shortstop uh, on occasion when – uh, Tovar was was unavailable, um, but 
you know, Trejo, um, it, he'll, he'll stick around. And so I think that's, that still provides a lot of value and, and they might do, they might kind of, as you, you touched on Evan, you know, they will have Marquez and Senzatella going on the 60 day IL. So that does create two roster spots that again, you can't do that during the season. So, you know, they might bring in an, uh, a veteran middle infield type and it said, look, Hey, you're battling with Alan Trejo at that point. And, and, you know that that's something to to watch in spring training again not terribly exciting because we're talking about a backup infielder um but but there is you know some competition going on uh in in that capacity uh, as far as Brendan Rodgers being around you know going back to what i just said it, you know that the Rockies are not going to be contending this season in fact they're going to be contending with 100 losses so what is the point of going into spring training or going into the season with with having Brendan Rodgers as your second baseman, there mm-hmm. there's no point. Uh, it, there really doesn't seem to be, unless this is a guy that you feel you are going to lock up because he is a free agent at the end of next year. So 2024 and 2025, that's it. So we can just look and say at the end of next year, he's going to be a free agent. And if he's gone and you don't want to keep him around, probably because you've got Eddie Amador or Sterling Thompson there, or maybe Warming Bernabel, you know, transitions over to second base. Why are you keeping this guy around right now when you could mm-hmm. be using him as a very valuable trade chip? Now, you could argue that, all right, they're going into the year with him as the second baseman in hopes that he will increase his trade value over the course of April, May, June, and then you trade him at the deadline with a year and a half remaining, and then you could turn the keys over to Trejo or whoever at second base. You're still already on a 100-loss trajectory, but at least now you're able to get a little bit more. I would understand that, um, but with the with the injury history that someone like Brendan Rodgers has, you can't guarantee that he's going to be healthy, and you can't guarantee that he is going to improve his stock mm. right now. So um, a lot of complications with that. You know, Brian Servan, yeah, he, he just wasn't really the guy uh, right now uh, as, as the backup. It's kind of interesting that – and the Rockies have operated this way for the last couple of years. They only have two catchers on the 40-man roster, which, yeah. you know, isn't isn't terribly common. But at the same time, if if you've got El Tanque, if you've got the tank and Elias Diaz, who goes out there and just almost never gets injured, you might as well. I got to look at Jacob Stallings' injury record. I got to see how many times he's been on the aisle. Maybe he's also a tank too. I don't know, but – uh, you can you can always just add a a backup catcher. That's that's really mm-hmm. not a problem. So you lose Servin, you're able to keep Trejo around. So you know not not too bad. And and to answer your question, Evan, the only other guy that you could have taken off the forty man that you go, no, this this definitely makes a lot of sense because they they cleared up a lot of room. You know, going into the end of 2023 to to add all those uh, guys, <laughs> excuse me to add all those guys to protect them from the Rule Five draft. Is Riley Pine? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. I don't know if Riley Pine's a big leaguer. Yeah, and we and and he got his one little taste last season and really didn't get much of a shake at all. Instead, Fernando Abad got called up multiple times to take some action, which all kinds of other things. But it's it'd be nice to see just what can they what can they do? What's their path forward with a lot of these guys? Because I think that's something we always talk about is like we're. We just don't know what the Rockies are going to do. It's kind of always a wild card situation. Like uh, it's last week, I think after the episode or even during the episode, we talked about who the Rockies had outrighted or non-tendered and it was just Tommy Doyle. And that was surprising. There was, you, you probably could have done more 
like Brian Servan could have been non-tendered. And then I surprised Devin by telling him that Brian Servan was still in the 40 man and blew his mind. I had seriously forgotten because we hadn't seen him in, in months at that point. And you know, you know what this, who this really makes me miss. And I know this isn't a popular opinion and I am a lot of people think I'm crazy for how much I like this guy. This makes me miss Garrett Hampson because Garrett Hampson was the last true super utility man that the Rockies had where you could pretty much slot him in anywhere. He could play second, short, third, and any outfield position. And, you know, he just got a, uh, a major league contract with the Kansas City Royals after being one of the top 12 for wins above replacement for the Marlins last year. And... You know that he's definitely a guy who I would still like to have around, but it's it's the Rockies really don't have a true utility man, super or otherwise, on this roster right now. Um, Trejo doesn't play outfield, and he was and, supposed to. If you remember mm-hmm. when twenty twenty two ended, and even kind of during the off season, there were rumblings that yeah, no Trejo is going to play some outfield, and you go, oh, all right, obviously they're going to part ways with Hampson, which they did. Trejo's going to be that guy, incredibly athletic. I think that would make a lot of sense, and yet it it didn't happen. Maybe it happens this off season, but I don't know. you're you're right. They they haven't had that guy since Hampson left, and then. Yeah. And, and instead of, of Trejo uh, taking over any outfield reps, he moved, um, he did some third base reps. And, you know, he's, he's perfectly solid at third base, but then they did, they signed Harold Castro, um, who played, you know, center field and second base, wasn't particularly good at either, all things considered. Um, and I don't know if they add outfield to, Trejo's repertoire this offseason when he was playing in Mexico with Jalisco with uh, Jalisco uh, this winter he pretty much played exclusively shortstop same as when he was with Team Mexico for the World Baseball Classic last year do you see a world where the Rockies trade him to a team like the Giants that are looking for a shortstop kind of another Marco Scudero situation it's not impossible I mean, it's it's tough because you rarely see the Rockies make deals with teams in the division. But, you know, it's, it's the same with Brendan Rodgers. There are teams out there that need a starting middle infielder that you could get a decent return for. And the Rockies do have, you know, a somewhat loaded middle infield class down in the minors right now where mm-hmm. they could part ways with some of these guys. And we've always talked about before, the Rockies have such a bad habit of, holding on so tightly to people they view as their top prospects or valuable guys, even to the detriment of the club. You know, Brendan Rogers was the number one prospect on the team for how long, and he's yet to play a full season, basically. Uh-huh. The, the Rockies and Giants have collaborated on four trades in 30 years. I believe that is the fewest of, and again, the last one was the Marco Scudero one and, and really, I think it, it brought about a change in philosophy with mm-hmm. in the Rockies' front office, whereby they just didn't want to make any trades at the trade deadline. I mean, you go back and look, and it's they they've just they just do nothing um, other than this past year, which which was great. Um, but previously, they just hadn't made those kind of trades because they were worried about the optics of oh, you trade this guy to another team, and then he goes and wins the World Series, like Marco Scudero ended up doing. So. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if if they're going to collaborate on a 
on a trade now. Ellis Burks, too. That was another one of those trades. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. He still was really productive when he was with the Giants. So, yeah, Trejo is is uh, is an interesting piece that, again, it, it's good that he's still with the organization that um, he'll, he'll, he'll still have some value to, to contribute in that way. He's one of those guys where it's the – I feel the same way about Alaris Montero is – this is a guy who does deserve a shot to start at least somewhere. And if the Rockies aren't going to provide him with that opportunity, then why not recoup some value, trade him for pitching or, or anything like that, and then also give them the opportunity to go start somewhere else? Mm-hmm. So do you th- – here's here's the question. And, you know, uh, Evan, you, you, you mentioned Elias Montero, and you mentioned, you know, Marco Scudero, Skyler, and this idea of – offloading a guy and then he becomes better right and oh man that's that says something about us right losing a trade you're worried about that maybe that's one of the reasons why riley pint's still around Mm because you look and go oh man this guy can still throw in the high 90s 100 miles an hour somebody might fix him and uh, you know we're not going to look great like is is that the reason why he's still around i don't know but i'm curious does does the rockies front office think that the nolan arenado trade was bad not that it was a loss they lost that trade, but not every time that you lose a trade was it bad, right? Because because if they trade Elias Montero, they've got no spot for him really on this roster. Mm-hmm. You can get something back that you value and go, hey, you know what? I, this piece is better than Montero sitting on our bench. So we got something. We lost the trade because you went and now he's hitting 30 home runs for the Mariners, but we got something. You lost the trade, but it was still good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being I mean, said, the Nolan Arenado deal—they lost it. Yeah, I mean, but the answer is absolutely yes. Do they think that it was a bad trade? Because you've know since the Nolan Arenado trade, we we've, we've talked about how the team has become so much more insular and secretive and quiet, where it's radio silence from the the front office basically all off season. We don't really get press conferences. We don't really get a whole lot of anything, and you know the trades have been a lot more low key and i think it's that the amount of backlash from the nolan arenado trade in addition to the fact that it really wasn't a good trade at the end of the day in terms of the players we got back where the only two remaining from the five player hall are austin gomber and alaris montero um was it uh, mateo gill gone um tony losi gone and then uh, Jake Summers Jake might Summers. be rattling around somewhere, but I have yeah. no idea. He really just kind of vanished off the face of the earth. He was activated off the 60 day injured list, November 6, 2023 by the Fresno Grizzlies. He's rattling so he's, around. <laughs> so he's still with the organization. Yeah, he exists. Okay. Yes, I, I would. I it, it is a bad trade. They lost the trade and it is a bad trade. But again, I don't know if the front office thinks that way and and, mm-hmm. and in a weird way that that might be good if they don't think it was a bad trade because it, it, it maybe it provides some hope that you can make other trades that you will lose but you get something back for it just because it you lose a trade doesn't mean it's a bad trade right you still get something mm-hmm. out of that i mean with arenado they what was good for them was they saved a lot of money and now you look at what the whole television situation is right now and and the things that are going on with the payroll again spending a whopping $3 million right now in free agency. And you go, wow, what, what would, what would have happened if Arenado was 
still around, or they or they did have some bigger contracts on the books going into a year in which they've got no one to distribute their TV rights. So I think the front office right now, you know, last year they probably said, yeah, it was a bad deal. But right now, it would not surprise me if Dick Momfort is sitting up in his uh, ivory tower at McGregor Square going, man, you know what? That trade looks a little bit better now given the the climate of finances for our franchise. Again, it's a bad deal. They lost the trade, but not every trade that you lose is bad. Mm-hmm. They got to take some chances. Yeah, and I think that's something we always talk about. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and like yeah. no <laughs> no when to let go even if it's going to hurt you down the line because you can look around the league how many Rockies have left and they'll found themselves somewhere else. With the year Yancey Almonte left, immediately 1.2-something ERA with the Dodgers. Tyler Anderson finding success elsewhere. No, it's going to happen. That's just the nature of the beast. And, yeah, like, if, if that is consistently happening, maybe you look in the mirror and say, like, oh, okay, what do we need to do differently to improve so that stops happening? No, but it's been the opposite. They've been on the other end of that. Nolan Jones comes in. Look how that's worked out for him. So it's you just never know with trades. It's a gamble. You got to take a risk sometimes. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's just a matter as, of trying to as a wise mitigate man that damage. Once said, "You got to know when to hold them." That's what I was thinking. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. Know when to run. Mm-hmm. And make sure money. So Evan, when you're sitting at the table, stop. We're gonna get copyright struck. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. I think we're we're all saying the same thing. The next president of the Rockies needs to be Kenny Rogers. Whether it's the gambler or the former Tigers Rangers pitcher, Kenny Rogers. Let's make it. Happen. We get the chicken at Coors Field. Oh, yes. Do those That's places still saying. exist? Do the Kenny Rogers chicken joints still exist? I think they were called Kenny Rogers Roasters, right? Yeah. That sounds right. A buddy I of didn't... mine uh, was lived across the street from a Kenny Rogers roaster, and the sign was so bright that he couldn't sleep at night. He would close his curtains and. <laughs> My poor buddy. <laughs> and a random doll running around his apartment. Yes, Kenny Rogers Roasters does still exist. Wow. Apparently, it's okay. very popular overseas, including Malaysia, Singapore, and Indonesia. <laughs> and maybe Coors Field someday? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to be the young one here. Uh, I didn't know those were real restaurants. I only thought it was a Seinfeld joke. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> You say young, but you're dropping a Seinfeld reference. Oh, that comes from my watching it with my brothers. I don't have that pop culture of restaurants. <laughs> Stick around for segment three when we make an I Love Lucy reference. Oh, I got plenty of those. I have met. Okay, like good. So I serve my I church mission in uh, Oregon. And now in Tillamook, Oregon, the twin brothers that played Little Ricky live in Tillamook, Oregon. And I met them, and they were like members of the church there. And I, they hand out little like postcards, and I lucked out because my mom loves I love Lucy. I lucked out around Christmas. Guys were there, and I, I got a, got them both to sign it, and then mailed it home. So my mom still has that sitting in a cedar chest, but uh, you gotta super send random. It, you got to send it in the PSA to get that bad boy graded. I mean, he's still on a 10, a PSA 10 on the Little Rickies. Come on. Little Rickies. <laughs> Fun stuff. But I think the, the bottom line here, though, is like there's a lot that the Rockies could do. And I think it's more so like just being a little bit more open. 
open to moves, all options. They always say that, well, we'll listen to anything, but like actually follow through on that. Now, maybe there is one of those draft picks that we're just not quite high on or where there's an opportunity here to get something good in return that'll help us. Yeah, we might lose this this first round draft pick. We might lose a Bunny Benny Montgomery. We might lose a Zach Veen type of thing. Where you know, be open to it because you look around the league. There's a lot of teams that do that, and it builds them up pretty good. Yeah, oh, I still remember you know when the potential trade that would have brought uh, JT Real Muto to the Rockies, a perennial yeah. All Star catcher. Um, got shut down because the Rockies didn't want to part ways with Brendan Rogers. Yeah. Who had yet to make his major league debut at that point. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I, where I said this or if, if I wrote about it, it's, it's been a blur the, the last few months for me, but you make that trade. I mean, the Rockies probably go back to the postseason in 2019 and yeah. maybe during a 60 game abbreviated season in 2020, they they win it all like everything changes if you make that one deal if you have you know an infield with Real Muto behind the plate LeMahieu still at second base right you, you keep him around instead of going with Murphy Story Arenado I mean wow yeah yeah it, that's a potential it, franchise changer right there one hundred percent and maybe even if you had committed to Ryan McMahon at first base type of thing instead of continuing revolving the door to Daniel Murphy or Ian Desmond where you can stick Desmond in the outfield, whatever. But you know, so many things you could have. And then if it doesn't work out, what could you have gotten for real Muto in a trade? No, at a deadline. <sighs> we need to do a whole episode where it's just us exploring the multiverse of what if. <laughs> be pretty fun. Uh, go check that show out on Disney+. Plus. There's my plug. We're not getting paid for it, but... What if you Brett go. Saberhagen had... Have found success with the Rockies. <laughs> what if what Jamie if, Moyer was thirty years old? Ooh, what if the Rockies signed Mike Hampton going into the twenty twenty one season? Who's better, Otani or Mike Hampton? <laughs> mm. <laughs> See, that would have been interesting because you could have legitimately used Hampton as a two way player. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we get Brooks Kishnick, and then there we go good stuff one of the, yeah. the amount of times that we talk about brooks Kishnick, one of these days we've got to get him on the show <laughs> uh, i don't know about that you turn I don't know into where a, to find him you could turn into a baking segment quiche with brooks Kishnick. <laughs> you guys you know it's just you're you're enjoying some breakfast foods talking with a former player this is this is a million get, dollar uh, we get we get nick hundley on the show and be like it's brooks quiche Nick. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, man, this show's dumb. Anyways. <laughs> Take that back. Uh, but bottom line, as we round out this segment, uh, just keep being open, Rockies. It's all we ask. Look at all avenues and stop bringing in the same type of pitcher. I think that's my big one. But still, plenty left to do. A lot of my, this is the I think this is the part of the season where we're now looking what trades can they make, and you no know, interesting minor league signings that of guys that are on that bubble that can help and you no know, fill that void left by Alan Trejo if Trejo's not added back on. Build some depth. Anyways, 
That'll do it here for this second segment. We'll be right back after these messages for our final one. We'll round up some winter ball. And Patrick may or may not be here. Stay tuned to find out. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Uh, in our last segment, we talked about making trades and being open to things, so we traded away Patrick, and I got this R2-D2 Funko Pop. So, Good trade, trade work- overall, I think. <laughs> trade worked out for me. <laughs> but yeah, you always go check out Patrick on Twitter, Patrick D. Lyons. Always good stuff, lots of good trivia. Always go check him out. Good dude. But Evan... We're going to round some things out here with some uh, winter ball talk because uh, I think winter ball is winding down or across the board, isn't it? I believe so. If um, not, it, there, there's know, still like stuff down in the Dominican. Is, I, I think Puerto Rico is in the playoffs right now. I think Lighton yeah. is getting there. Yeah, so most everything's in the playoffs and winding down. Uh, and they've had some Rockies moving around about, but uh, real quick, Evan talking about the Rockies uh, with Harold Castro uh, in Venezuela in the Venezuelan league he played in 34 games 315 average 372 on base 492 slugging 19 strikeouts against 11 walks he had 21 RBIs get this five home runs hmm. 21 RBIs four doubles couple of triples 41 hits total so uh, here's the crazy thing Evan he had 65 hits in 95 in 99 games with the Rockies last season. He has 41 hits in 34 games in Venezuela. You just know he's going to hit. Yeah, hitting Harold, but apparently it only applies when he's in Venezuela during the winter league. <laughs> but anyway, who would you like to talk about though, Evan? Any highlights from winter ball of, of guys that you want to that we should focus on here at the the start of it? I think get the big names out of the way first. Uh, Zach Veen with um, Leonis Del Ponce, um, which is being managed by um, Rockies assistant hitting coach Andy Gonzalez, I believe. Um, Zach Veen in his first baseball action since he uh, ended his season last year getting that um, hand and wrist surgery. Slashed... uh, 429, 478, 619 with he didn't hit any home runs, but he had four doubles, um, two walks to five strikeouts, three stolen bases and a ribby. Um, you know, that's on yes, yeah, in 23 plate appearances. So not a ton of playing time, but it's nice to see that he's healthy and, you know, showed a little bit of flash down there in Puerto Rico before he uh, reports for spring training and what's hopefully going to be a nice, full, healthy bounce back campaign for him. Yeah. Um, and it yeah, seems hopefully. like, it seems like a, a really important year for him, especially with all the injuries important for him to, to come back, show he's healthy. And Hey, we talk about right field being, you know, unsettled. I'm, I'm honest here. If he just turns out in spring training, like give him a long serious look of cracking the opening day roster do it but i think and don't send him back to hartford enough of this you need to show we need to conquer that level face no just send him to triple a let him work things out in albuquerque get that confidence boost let jordan pacheco work with him Mm -hmm. 
and like and then if he's you know doing good you know give him if in may give him a month in triple a and if he's just balling out like nolan jones did call him up and let him just take over type of thing but yeah good signs there are, for there are moves the, to make where you can bounce that around and one of my buddies who works for the for the topes would be i think delighted for the excitement that having v and down yeah. in albuquerque to start the season would bring um but i agree it's don't send him back to to hartford you're at the point now where if he starts the league in the minors you start him with the isotopes and if he like you said really does ball out in spring training you've got to consider having him on your opening day roster yeah because think if he does good throughout the whole season i think you the draft picks you can get a draft pick for him type of thing but it's good to see him healthy hopefully things pan out but uh who's next on the down there yankee fernandez was also with him down there in puerto rico also uh playing in a little bit of action i think they they were unlimited playing time they were monitored playing time so yeah. i don't think they were gonna enter the playoffs but they contributed while they were there yeah yankee didn't have as much success as uh zach veen uh, ops of 541 in 96 plate appearances uh one home run he's still and it's not something i'm super worried about he's yeah. still very much finding his footing in terms yeah. of more advanced levels of play um He's only 21. Yeah. he. All these guys are so young that they're not really guys I'm worried about. You know, Veen literally just turned 22. Yankiel Fernandez literally just turned 21 mm-hmm. on on New Year's Day. Um, and then we have uh, Julio Carreras, who's the oldest of the three of these three guys. Uh, he was was highlighted as one of the best young players playing out in the uh, Dominican Winter League right now. He He's played 29 games, he's got an OPS of 849, an on-base percentage of 388, uh, with a uh, batting average of 304. Not a huge home run hitter, but he does have three with 17 stolen bases. And it makes you wonder, we were talking about in the last segment when Patrick was still here, of, well, who's the backup infielder going to be? And Julio Carreras is not an impossible option right now, though he's not a guy I would want to have like languish on the bench as much. Yeah, um, I would much rather see him, you know, getting more starting time if anything. Um, so I think he starts the year uh, probably with AAA Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, like a lot of other players um, in this farm system, I just I don't think he's ready yet. It's not an indictment on him. I'm not sleeping on him or anything like that. It's just you know he's not ready to go right now. Yeah, and good, but it's good to see those signs. It's nice to see, you know, well, it's like when in the AF in the Arizona Fall League, when our guys are doing good, it's like it's a nice little serotonin boost. Like, yeah, we got that guy, he's in our system. And then, no, we talked about before trade capital. Like, if you don't see him being a starting person on the Rockies roster, which right now I don't think. I don't know where he fits into plans because Amador's kind of got second base. In the future, you've got Tovar at short. Where does Carreras fit into all that? If you can't answer that question, okay, trade him. You know, find yourself a big league ready pitching that you can find or, or something of that nature. But it, it's oh, good sure. to see him. Good stuff. Um, Amador also played a little bit in Puerto Rico. Um, 
this winter, not a ton. Uh, 86 plate appearances, OPS is 672. Uh, no home runs, but seven stolen bases. Um, again, showing off that amazing plate discipline he's got, where more walks than strikeouts, 15 walks to 13 strikeouts. Um, and then you've got all the guys who were on the big league roster last year. Um, three major guys on the big league roster last year that have all been playing uh, winter ball. You've got Alaris Montero, Michael Tolia, and Sean Bouchard. Um and none of them have really been doing that great in winter ball. I'd say probably um, Michael Tolia fits what he's been doing in like AAA. I think more so with with Tolia. Yeah, um, Tolia probably the best of those three. He's got an OPS of eight fifty three because he's got a slugging percentage of five hundred five. Uh, five home runs in uh, Monterrey, uh, Los Sultanes de Monterrey, down in Mexico. Um, I'm trying to remember if that's the team that's being managed by Vinny Castilla or if it's a different Yeah, it one. is. Um, 20 RBI, two stolen bases, 16 walks to 38 strikeouts. Um, that's definitely a pretty solid performance. It's pretty in line with how he uh, played in Triple A Albuquerque last year, like you said. Um, totally is tough because he's one of those guys where we really don't know what his place is in this organization. Same with um, the other guys on this list of Montero and Bouchard. Mm-hmm. Where this just like with Veen, I think this is a really critical year for Tolia. Where no right field, I think, is the open spot right now for a lot of these guys. And Tolia can play right field, eh, pretty passable right field. He can play both corner outfield positions. I feel like he probably has the boost of, oh, here's our first round pick. He was supposed to be our first baseman of the future. But now the defense is there, it's just his offense has just been so awful when he's been called up because down in triple a like he does pretty well for himself you no know, kind of that slugger that you know he's going to strike out but he keeps it in line he's managed it pretty well draws walks but then he gets up to the big leagues and it's just been awful at the plate yeah. and it was nice to see on social media him having an appointment at drive line baseball shortless or shortless he was shirtless <laughs> <laughs> Wrong piece of clothing. <laughs> he was shirtless. Michael <laughs> showed up at driveline with no pants and started mashing dingers. <laughs> but uh, taking his appointment there, he's got all the dots on himself and rocking some. He's trying to cover the baby face with some <laughs> with some facial hair. It's not working. It's not working. Uh, he's got the long hair and everything, but. No, hopefully taking those steps to really improve his approach at the plate, whether it's maybe abandoning switch hitting or just evening things out on both sides of the plate. Because, man, we know that bat potential he has, but, man, we just want to see it. I just want to see him mashing dingers, lacing doubles, and really grow into his own because what is he? He's only 25. Yeah, he's 25 right now. So still plenty of time, but... Clocks a ticking for old Michael Tolia before eh, maybe he gets kicked to the curb or he gets traded or something. It's tough. I do think he needs to. I do think he needs to drop switch hitting. I think he's got to pick a side and switch with it, or stick with it rather. And then he also definitely needs to work on that plate approach. Where in both of his um, seasons with the Rockies, he's basically running a five to one strikeouts per walks ratio. Yeah, 
um, five to one exactly for 2023, where he had 50 strikeouts to 10 walks. Yeah. Uh, and I like totally a lot. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a pretty serviceable defender in right field. He can play first base well. And when he hits, he can hit well, but he just has those massive cold streaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the next guy on our list is going to be Sean Bouchard. Bouchard is another one of those guys where we, we just really don't know where they fit in. Corner outfielder and corner infielder, mostly at first base if he plays corner infield. Um, Bouchard with Hermosillo um, down in Mexico does have four home runs and a pretty healthy um, walks-to-strikeout ratio, but he also has an OPS of just 603, where that on-base percentage is 274, slugging 330, and that batting average is 154. That's mm-hmm. that's not that great. But you can sort of more take that with a grain of salt because in both of his stints with the Rockies in the last two years and both of his stints with the Albuquerque Isotopes in the last years, he has been incredible. He's been mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. So you can you can really look at look at it on Bouchard more of, especially with how much time he missed due to injury last year. Of he's just really trying to get his swings in, stay healthy, and be ready for the next season, versus necessarily trying break prove anything. Blew up last year, but um, that's the tough one. And then the third tough one is uh, Alaris Montero. Alaris Montero is playing with. Uh, the Aguila Cibaenas in uh, the D- Dominican Winter League, and he are—he's you know supposed to be this big power hitter, but he's got no home runs and only twelve RBIs uh, down there with a slugging percentage of just two fifty nine in one hundred and twenty nine plate appearances. That's um, that's tough any way you look at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I think of all the guys we've talked about, I think Montero's the one. Like he's got a make a decision and cut him loose if you have to because we know his potential but it's like Patrick mentioned earlier the Rockies afraid of you know losing that trade even more and acknowledging that and just cutting their losses with Montero like okay well the whole trade's washed he hasn't worked out but there's still capital there to trade him because we know what he can do and it's just he's just not doing it for the Rockies, but he can go somewhere else. And yeah, no, send him to a team like the Mariners, or no, well, Mariners don't want so many strikeouts. But uh, one of those other teams that could use a a power first baseman DH type, let him find some some action somewhere else where he can get committed full playing time, and maybe even develop a bit. A bit even more because he's just not getting those opportunities in in Colorado. Yeah, and and he deserves a spot where he's going to get a real shake at being an everyday starter because we've talked about this time and time again. He's got nothing left to prove at AAA or lower. He's basically conquered that level of ball, and now the question is: Is he going to be a regular big leaguer? Is he going to be able to be a starter? Or is he going to be a quadruple-A player like so many other power bats the Rockies have tried to develop before him? Yeah. Like, you know, Patty Barrels back in the day. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. Least, I, yeah. I like Alaris a lot. He seems like a really – he seems like he's got a really good head on his shoulders. Uh, we learned a lot about him in this last season here uh, in terms of where his where his head's at, how he thinks about things, his relationship with the team – he seems like a 
I, I don't want to call him a kid because he's like 25, but he seems like a guy who who deserves a deserves a shot. And I honestly don't think he's ever really going to get it with the Rockies. And yeah. so, like Patrick said, you can't be afraid to cut him loose and see if you can get something in exchange for him. Yeah. And like if he does well somewhere else, good for him. That's <laughs> you need to learn from that as an organization of, oh, where did we put our priorities and why wasn't able to do that for us? Oh, it's because we gave this huge contract to Chris Bryant and didn't really have a position for him. And now he's stuck as our first baseman. Yeah. And it's, you're doing a disservice to both him and your organization by mm-hmm. clinging onto this guy where he has no playing time and until his value dissipates until his value dissipates. So We'll we'll see, but that's sort of how things are shaking out in the winter leagues right now. Not really a whole lot of other major standouts yeah. we have to talk about. I mean, there's tons of guys playing down in the winter leagues right now. Uh, we can talk about how Rymel Tapia hit a uh, bunt home run, <laughs> um, thanks to a just absolute comedy of errors, um, allowing him to circle the whole bases. Didn't I? It's like, uh, didn't he have his weird? home run with the red Sox this past season too inside yes. the parker yes he's had that happen now so he's had that kind of thing now happen twice in light on uh this year yeesh it's the only I, way uh, he can home runs i guess i'm i miss tippy taps i don't i mean i i it, it was the right move it was the right move to part ways with him but he was such a fun guy and and i will always he's one of those guys where no matter where he goes even with when he was with the red Sox, i am always going to root for him like it's not like you know when when a guy goes to the dodgers and i'm going to be like mm-hmm. i don't i don't care for you anymore i didn't like the random thing that both rymel tapia and garrett hampson were in the postseason last year that's wild that's a fun fact i think the fact that Garrett Hampson was one of the Marlins top players by wins above replacement last year mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm really happy for him and I'm happy that he got a, a solid deal with the, uh, with, with the, the Royals. Uh, Royals and he's, and he's potentially going to have a chance to start. Yeah. Or at least just yeah, bounce around in that outfield and infield. He'll have plenty of playing time. Oh yeah. Uh, but playing you with know, the yeah, Royals no. with cheese. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Garrett Hampson fan through and through mm-hmm. my boy my boy but uh yeah i think i think that about rounds it up here not much else happened in winter ball it's now just the slow slog until pitchers and catchers report but Next that's month. only in uh 38 37 days i think yeah coming up and then we'll announce the uh annual extension for bud black that's what's weirdest to me is that the rockies have yet to finalize their coaching staff mm-hmm and from what uh, we heard from Patrick and, and from winter meetings, uh, apparently it's all pretty much yeah, saying the same, but that really could still change. Any, that there's really not going to be any changes. But then you would expect, but that's one of those things where the, the Rockies have been so weirdly quiet this offseason. Yeah. It's like at the very at the very beginning of the show when we talked about Daniel Hudson, or Dakota Hudson. I'll get his name right eventually. Ernie Why Hudson. do there have to be both D. Hudsons in the league? But Dakota Hudson, Jacob Stallings, it was what? Thomas Harding, like literally like five minutes before they announce it. Hey, expect the Rockies to announce these signings. And then yeah. the Rockies announce them. 
Like that's the drip. Yeah, we yeah. had we had no indication that either of those were going to happen until just before it happened. And for the Rockies on social media, you know, we've had a couple things advertising Rockies Fest. Uh, Nolan Jones looking like he is being held at gunpoint to record a promotion for Rockies <laughs> Fest. <laughs> yes, and I'm then, excited to come see you all at Rockies Fest. And that's all dumb concerts. Hmm. But hey, Evan, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. Wake me up when September ends. That's that's isn't that Green Day? Yeah, they're also another concert coming. Oh, that's right. Oh, because we made all the jokes of like, yeah, okay, I remember now. But sometimes the Rockies just gonna, Evan, we just you don't stop believing. I, I always hold on to that feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember what other concerts are coming, but streetlights, people. This, uh, and then just just a, an odds and ends thing. We're at the point now. I was talking about this on on the tweeters yesterday. We're at the point now in the uh, in the off season where we have guys going oh the rockies are, are only going to win 30 games oh the rockies are going to be as bad as the 1899 cleveland spiders and it's like guys i get it you're all the way up here i need you to take it way down because there's never going to be a team as bad as the 1899 cleveland spiders ever again it is impossible you are never going to have a team only win 20 30 to games in the modern mm-hmm. game of baseball. Look at the Oakland Athletics last year where they were about as bad as it can get. They were essentially playing a triple-A roster and they still managed like 50 wins. Yeah. <laughs> and even the Royals, like they're not even trying to tank. They still win 50 or whatever some odd game. So it's just nature of the game. You have to basically put up a roster of geriatric old men to lose more than <laughs> win less than 50 games exactly and then this is the point and i know people say i i take everything too seriously but there are there are people who legitimately think that this is going to be the case and then i say you know that's preposterous and then i get called a montford chill and the cycle begins anew it's the circle of life it is indeed it's, it's just still rockies and roll to me Um, I can't think of any other Billy Joel ones. Uptown Girl. Only the... (laughs) Lodo. Lower Downtown Girl. Only the good die young. Only the good die Rockies. Only the good die Eric Young. Anyways, I guess we can close this out. (laughs) As always, appreciate you (laughs) tuning in here with Affected by Altitude as we enter in the 2024 season. And let us know on, on the social medias. You can find us at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop on Twitter. And just let us know uh, maybe what, any ideas or what you'd like to see from the show this year. We'll keep kicking around some ideas, try to do some new stuff. Maybe we'll try to stream sometimes on Fridays, do live shows, all kinds of stuff. So we try to put out a new product and grow in this new year. Yeah, a huge shout out to Patrick Lyons for joining us here. You can find Patrick on Twitter at Patrick D. Lyons. Uh, Always good to have him on the show. Uh, Friend of the show, excellent uh, beat reporter. 
overall good guy. So nice to have him on there. Skylar, where can people find you at? You can find me where the sun meets the horizon on third days of the week. Is, is that like on Colfax or something? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sideline underscore crowd. Also writing Wednesday rock piles for purple row.com. Uh, go get your perps voting in on purple row.com for the prospect rankings for this new season. And you can also find me at fans first sports, uh, fans first sports.com writing articles during the week. Yep, still absolutely killing it over there. As really, I will call, I would call you the lead baseball writer for Fans First. The majority of the baseball content is coming from Skyler's desk, and he's just killing it. So definitely go check that out. Mm-hmm. How about you, Evan? Uh, you can find me doing the Thursday rock piles over on purplerow.com. Maybe I will actually submit my perps voting on time for once this year. Uh, first time for everything you can find me on twitter and uh threads at evan lang at evan underscore lang 27 you can find me on blue sky at evan lang 27.bsky.social and uh like skylar mentioned before follow us here rocky mountain rooftop on both youtube and twitter that's at rocky mountain rooftop at r-o-c-k-y-m-t-n rooftop mm-hmm. well that'll do it here we'll also keep an eye on Next couple weeks, hopefully we'll be able to celebrate Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame, but that's still a couple weeks away. And uh, we'll eh, we'll figure out something to do around then, too. Hopefully something special. Hopefully something special to celebrate. Dance party! Also, go check out the most recent episode of Every Rocky Ever. It's a fun one. Mm-hmm. I stump my brother with a couple of ones while he tosses me softballs. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll finally, do it here the, the roles are reversed finally the little brother is in charge now i'm the dominant one but we'll see you next time here on affected by altitude hit him with it evan farewell farewell